0: Good morning. Today's reading will be taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 29, verses 14b to 35. So the second half of 14 to 35. Verse 14b. After Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, Just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, It's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife. My time is completed, and I want to make love to her. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as her attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? have you deceived me? Laban replied, it is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also, in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her attendant. Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban for Lab-
1: <coughs> sorry,
0: and he worked for Laban another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, He enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to her son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again she conceived, and when she gave birth to her son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me. Because I have borne him three sons, so he was named Levi. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you very much for that not too long reading. All right. Good morning, everyone. It's nice to see us. Um, For those who maybe have come in and uh, with us for the first time, or maybe you've not you've not been with us in a while. Um, First of all, my name is Femi, and we've been doing a series. uh, We're running this series from the month of September to um, November, and it's all about idols, idols and the city. Because we say, like, you know, here in Lagos. Every human being really uh, worships a particular God. The question is, which God are you worshiping? Now, for Christians, if you are not worshiping the one true God, then you are worshiping an idol. And so, uh, we've identified three big idols that people in the city of Lagos actually worship. And those three idols would be money, sex, and power. So, we're dedicating this series to those uh, three idols. So... Let me ask, And we've, oh, sorry, if you're if looking for money, the money one. sorry, we've already done money, we've covered money, alright, so we distributed all the money that we have, but now we're, no, that analogy doesn't work, if I said uh, just forget about it, that was, that was bad. So now we're talking about sex, we started last week looking at the life of Samson, and all of the, all the things we're going to be preaching from are from the Old Testament. Now, let me ask you a particular question here. Very, very important question. Have you found your one true love? Your one true love. What do I mean by one true love? Well, I was checking some definitions, but I like the Urban Dictionary. There's something called the Urban Dictionary. You can find it. The Urban Dictionary says that your one true love is the person that is perfect for you and you for them. They are everything you want and need. You love everything about them, and they return these feelings. Your one true love. How does that person make you feel when you're with them or when you think about them? Do they make you say something like this? My love, there's only you in my life. The only thing that's bright. My first love, you're every breath that I take. You're every step I make. And I, I want to share my love with you. No one else will do. I love. Oh, love, I'll be a fool for you, I'm sure. Because you mean the world to me. And I know I've found in you my endless love. Some of us are suckers for love. You can tell, right? Now, that's from the 1981 song by Lionel Richie and Diana Ross called Endless Love. And I think that, that, that song fits very well into our contemporary notion of love, especially romantic love. You know, the Urban Dictionary's definition goes further. It goes on to say that if anyone could meet their one true love, well, that person's entire life would be complete happiness. Complete. Is that true? Because if that's true then we should be searching for that one true love. And the search for that one true love becomes really important. Now, you see, the city of Lagos, we have many influences that have affected our culture. Right? We still have our traditional African, whatever, you know, that has affected and shaped the culture. But also underneath that is that we've had the Western influence into our culture as well. We, I mean, I look at the way most of us are dressed here. The way most of us think our lifestyle, the West has really influenced Lagosian culture, and it is that aspect of love that comes from the West that tells us that we should be searching for our one true, endless love because love conquers all things. And it's with that also that influence that many of us have elevated romantic love to a godlike status, and we are searching for it and. We're not quite sure where that search will lead. Where would it lead us? How do we know where it eventually takes us? Well, let's meet Jacob. Jacob is Abraham's grandson. You remember Abraham? Abraham was that guy who God said or promised, God promised him that he and his offspring that will come after him will save the world. What that meant was that in every generation of Abraham's family, the lineage of Abraham's family, that and there was every generation eventually was leading to a Messiah that was going to save the world. In every generation a particular child will be the bearer of that promise, meaning it is in that child's lineage that the Messiah will come. Now this was the second uh, the third generation of Abraham's family and Jacob was the one that bore that promise in his generation. Now, even though this is a very ancient text, and Jacob is a very ancient person, you will find that he's a very contemporary character. He'll be able to fit into 21st century Lagos. Because he too was in search of his one, true, endless love. But he created the whole saga in his family. And that's what we're going to look at today. In this sermon that we've titled, When Love Fails, we would learn through Jacob's life that instead of undertaking the idolatrous search for the one true love, which will certainly fail us, we should search for the one true endless love in the gospel of Christ that never fails. So our sermon will be explored under these three subheadings. One, the deception of love. Two, the disappointment of love. And three, the deliverance of love. The deception of love, the disappointment of love, and the deliverance of love. So let's get into the first point, the deception of love. Now, what faith was reading, it started with something, and Jacob had stayed with, his ho- with him for a month. Now, him is someone called Laban. Now, how did he get to stay with Laban? Well, a bit of context, I'll just read Genesis 27, verse 41 uh, to 44. But Jacob had a mom who was called Rebekah, and he had a father who was called Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham, and he also had a twin brother called Esau. Now listen to Genesis 27 verse 41 to 44. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. So he was running away from Esau and he now ran uncle who lived in Haran, whose name was Laban. Now, he had stayed with Laban for about a month. And so Laban wanted to know, all right, you've been laboring for me, as we see in verse 15, you've been laboring for me, you've been working for me, how much should I pay you? Laban said, just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now, Jacob did not want to be paid with money. He actually said, you know what, I, wouldn't, I, don't, want to, I don't want to uh any money from you. What I want is, I want to marry your daughter, Rachel. Ah. And for, for me to get Rachel, I will work for you for seven years. Seven years. Wow. First of all, that's not a very good deal. This guy, I can tell you for certain, was not an Igbo guy. Right? And I say that out of compliment to my Hebrew brothers. Igbo people never caught a bad deal. Jacob caught a bad deal. Why? Because to work as a shepherd, you earned basically, the shepherd's earnings at that time for a whole year was about 10 shekels of silver. 10 shekels of silver. Now, but the normal going bride price was somewhere between 30 to 40 shekels of silver. Ten, ten shekels of silver a year for labor, and he wanted to work seven years. That means he was paying how much? Which is about double the going market rate. And the question should be, why? Why, didn't Jacob, why did Jacob cut such a bad deal? Well, one reason is that uh, J, uh, Rachel, I mean, one very good reason, if you just look. Rachel was, let's just call it, she was a babe. You know, like, omoge. I mean, it's there. I'm not not looking at it. Look at verse 17. 17. Rachel had a lovely figure. And she was beautiful. That is face and body. The guy saw her and he was like, ah, seven years. I pay. Don't worry. He had forgotten. That's one reason. Now, I think that may be there, but I think something was going on that was deeper. And Laban who was an evil chap? He saw through this and he knew that this was going to affect uh, Jacob's de- um, negotiation skills. So he went at it again and he actually got him. You know what he did? So he said, Yes, work for me for seven years, as we see in verse 20. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. And so he got married in a fantastic feast. So, Le- verse 22. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. He took his wife, he slept with her, verse 23b, and then in the morning, when he decided to, ah, man, my wife, he looked and he saw her. You are not (laughs) Rachel. She said, duh. (laughs) He looked. And he saw, it was not Rachel, it was Leah. He realized he had been deceived. In verse 25, he says to Laban, why have you deceived me? And something happened, and I'm going to just make an excursus a little bit. Just let me get off. Something happened that is, is, is puzzling. Because after verse 27, after he said, Why have you deceived me? Neban replied, It's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal bridal week, then we'll give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. Wait, hang on. Wait, wait, wait. I worked seven years for you. Seven years. I hope you know what seven years is. Some of you have been working five jobs in seven years. You just keep changing, changing. This guy stayed one job seven years, he didn't collect any money. He gave her the wrong person. And he gave her the wrong person. And then he went to me. Why did you deceive me? Now said, ah, oh, it's not custom. <laughs> Our people don't, do you know. And he said, just work another seven years. And I said, okay. Just okay like that. Why? And wonder if you think there's something going on there. He'd met his match. You see, Jacob had earned... He stripes by deceiving people. All of a sudden, when Laban... Because, let's take it, Laban didn't quite... He didn't even lie to him. When Laban told him exactly what he had done, he had seen what he had done to Esau, his brother, at one time, when he deceived him and got his birthright. He'd also seen what he had done to his dad when he got the blessing. In fact, an ancient rabbi says, he imagines Jacob complaining... When he said fictitiously on that day, Rachel, and then Leah answered. And Jacob was complaining. And Leah said, Why are you complaining? Remember, Isaac called out, Esau. And Jacob answered. Payback to. You. But we should be asking. You see, again, if, let's go a little bit now further. Look at. The truth is that Laban did not actually lie. Have you ever been, you know, I told people uh, in the singles um, event, that very careful when you are in a relationship, let things be clear. One of the things I said is, if a guy comes to meet you to the ladies and says, you've been dating him for like six years, and he says, "Ah, you know, it would be nice for you to be the mother of my kids. It would be nice. You know what he hasn't said? He hasn't said, let's get married next year. He said, it will be nice. It could also be nice for somebody else too. You know when somebody says something, it's like when you propose a business to someone and say, ah, can you invest? Ah, this is a very interesting business proposition. So when he came and he said, I'll work for you for seven years, give me Rachel. Basically, what Levan said, is, it is better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. He just said, better you than somebody else. He didn't say, yes, I'll give you Rachel. And I can't understand, how did Jacob, who deceived his brother for the birthright, and his father for the blessing, how did he get so easily fooled? How did he, in the words of the great Osofia, how did the master become the Mugu? How did the deceiver become deceived? Well, there's only one answer. Verse 18. He was madly Jacob was in love with Rachel. You see, when he said was in love, understand what it meant. He was walking on sunshine. That is, he was in another world. Listen to what he said. He said in verse, um, in verse, verse um, twenty-one. No, sorry, verse twenty. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. But they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Seven years became like what, a few days. It was another reality. He it was. It's like I don't know some of the guys here, but like I remember when I was dating my wife, I used to tell to. So there was a mantra I had, and you guys know this because sometimes when people come and meet you for money, you are dating somebody. Man, I'm broke. Your brother comes and you, I'm broke. I don't have money. Leave me alone. I don't have. I'm working tirelessly. Look, I'm tight. Then your babe comes. What do you want? <laughs> so I was dating my wife. I used to call, and that time I started calling her baby. I said, look, baby, let me tell you something. There's only, and if you, if anybody should fight me on this I'll fight them back, even you. I said, there's only one thing between you and I. Baby gets what baby wants. <laughs>
0: the
1: pepper was flowing. I wasn't shopping anywhere for a
0: We
1: You go in, mango. Uh, coach. You know, I was just going to all the fine places, giving her reality. I was walking somewhere. Then we got married. <laughs> baby didn't get what baby wanted. <laughs> he said, Why are you doing? You're not spending all this money again. I said, I was spending it because you were outside there. Now you're inside. <laughs> Look at, see the rent, there's all of these things. It became, it's like you spend one, you spend one M on your babe, and it's like spending one K. He served for seven years, but it felt like a few days. (laughs) You see, when you are madly in love like that, a new reality is created. It was so bad that he spent seven years in the place and he did not know the customs of the place. At some point, he should have known. They would have invited him for wedding. He would have gone. He would have seen that this person didn't get married because ah, she has three younger sisters. He didn't see it. Why? Because he was living in another reality. And that made him extremely vulnerable to deceit. Too many people, too many of us have been deceived into relationships by scoundrels. Everyone around you is telling you this person is not good for you, but you keep fighting them. Why? You are living in another reality. Many people I have counseled that are in bad. They will say, you know what? The signs were there. I said, But how come you didn't see it? It was there, but I couldn't see it. Why? They were living in another reality. They were seeing the things that they wanted to see, and that made them vulnerable to be able to be deceived. You see, when you elevate romantic love to a godlike status, what happens is that you set yourself up to be vulnerable to be deceived and to be used. Laban saw that very much in the eyes of Jacob. He called for Rachel, but it was Leah. Why?
0: He
1: was vulnerable. Why are we vulnerable? Sometimes it's because of the approval that we've not gotten from other people. We now want to get it from a romantic uh, relationship. Don't forget the problem with Jacob. In fact, if you read the story of Esau, uh, Isaac, uh, Esau and Jacob, Isaac was talking about Esau as his son. Rachel was talking about Jacob as her own son. She said, Your brother wants to kill you. Now come, my son. You see, when, Jacob, when Isaac wants to refer to, uh, when Jacob had done something bad, he said, Woman, see your son, no? Oh. But Esau was his son. He craved the approval of his father. And as he didn't get it, he wanted to get it from a romantic relationship. And some of us, that's the problem. We crave to be wanted, but then because we didn't get it, the approval from the person we wanted, we want to take it to somebody else. And you are vulnerable. For some of us, it's the desperation of not wanting to be alone. Time is running out. Ha! 38 now. Nobody's looking at me. It's all these young girls in church now. Look at them. They are not seeing me. So then you're not going to put extra lipstick so that you look younger. No, you're not. But that desperation makes you vulnerable to deceit. And when that happens, we end up marrying Leah thinking that we are getting richer. You see, when love becomes an idol, you will always be deceived and you will also always be disappointed. Second point, the disappointment of love. Now this brings us to Leah. Ah. Leah. Ordinary Leah lived in the shadow of her extraordinary sister, Rachel. You see, in verse 17, where Leah is described. Don't forget this description of Rachel. Leah was described in, contra- in, in, in contrast with Rachel. In verse 17, we are told, because you see, what does it mean that she has weak eyes? That's a little bit, you know, maybe she had cross-eyed, maybe she had... The point isn't the physical deformity. The point is that she had weak eyes and Rachel was beautiful. See, Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. In other words, Leah was unattractive. And if Rachel had a lovely figure, guess what? uh, uh, Leah, she was always struggling with her weight. She just couldn't shed it. She wasn't beautiful on the face. She wasn't beautiful in her figure. And she always had people that were telling her. She struggled to open an Instagram account. Rachel had millions of followers. Verified. Miss Beauty Pageant Haran. I said, look at your sister. Look at yourself. You can't even dress. Look at your sister. Why are you in this boo-boo? Boo-boo. Come on. She always lived in the shadow of her sister. And I'm sure she wanted to get out of it. How many of us have lived in the shadow of a sibling? And you know how it is. That one is getting the better grades. That one got that promotion. You are just. So she wanted to get out of it. And she had made up her mind that I know the way I'll get out of this. Once I get married, at least I'll not be in this house. Leah's problem was also Jacob's problem. Jacob had a problem with Leah. Because guess what? In that time, if she was not marriable, if she was unmarriable, she would have have come to a tremendous cost on him. Because he would have been responsible for taking care of her. That's why it was important for them to let go of their daughters very quickly and find a suitor. Now, he knew he had an attractive daughter. And so he was like, hey. This one will not get married, though. Imagine people, he will, tell them, he will have been telling them about one daughter he had. Maybe he met them at the well. Come to my house. I have this daughter. And now come. They now see I say, ah. Oh, wow. <laughs> God, deal." <laughs> and then they now see Rachel. Ah, who is that? Your daughter. Oh, that's the one <laughs> And they start going. Every time, the toasters that were meant to come for Leah kept on going to Rachel. So he knew the only way he was going to dispense of Leah was, I have to deceive somebody. And so he found Jacob as that person. I say, you know, it's so. I feel so bad about Leah because she would have told herself, as I said before, that the only way I will come out of this thing is when I get married. Then she can have a family, and I will have my family. But by the time she got married, she was still living in the shadow of her sister, who now got married. Look at verse 30. Jacob made love to Rachel also. And his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. It was so bad that you could call Leah, she could choose another name. You know what that name would be? Not loved. Verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was what? Not loved. Have you ever been in a relationship or marriage where you loved and you were not loved back? It makes one feel very horrible. And Leah lets us know how horrible it is. How does she let us know? Through names. Through names. Now, I don't know about you, but names are a very, very important thing in culture. And I do have a bit of a problem now. I have to tell you. I have a bit of a problem. You see, I grew up understanding, especially with Yoruba people, that names were like Bumi, Bio, Dio, Femi. Kemi. You understand? Good names. All of a sudden now, names, parents want to punish both the, 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 the people that have to call names and the children. Sentences. <laughs> you think I was bad? I know somebody, some people, some terrible people that now went to go and name their child. Who would do such a si- oh sorry that's me. Uh, <laughs> my wife, my wife. Names long punishing them. Or imagine if your name was this one. Just imagine if this was your name. Could that be your name. I don't think it's I love this spell,
0: mo.
1: Ah, that be your name? I love this spell, it. If you, you, you know, say your logo know, If you feel if you me spell,
0: Okay.
1: I have not here to spell, and yet when We Jesus. I want this spell it for you. Just, I, I, Just imagine. Now, but here's the thing. People put like the the name of our child is a memory verse, right? The grace of the Lord Jesus is sufficient for me. We put names, we put meaning in names. And many people, when you ask them, like our second child, who is Olwati Milengi, was really, is God has got my back because we had very very difficult experience with Him coming. So people put in names of their children the experiences that they have gone through. And so what Leah was going through, you could see expressed in the names of her children. It's the first three, listen to the first, uh, the, Reuben, Simeon, and Levi. It revealed that Leah, verse 32, with Reuben, she was miserable. Because the Lord has seen my misery. It revealed when she put uh, Simeon, that she was hated, verse 33. And it revealed that she felt in verse thirty-four, with Levi, that she was neglected. Now, at last, my husband would have get become attached to me. Have you felt that way? Miserable, hated, neglected, or maybe you feel like you are not good enough because you are loving, but this person doesn't reciprocate it. You feel empty, or some of us feel like I've missed the bus because there's a finality to it. I don't think that Leah had an iPod, and on her playlist, she was probably listening to Brandy's Have You Ever. (laughs) Where she sang, have you finally found the one you've given your heart to? Only to find that one won't give their heart to you. Have you ever closed your eyes and dreamed that they were there? And all you can do is wait for the day they will care. You see, here's the problem. Leah had gone into this marriage thinking that love was her God. And when love is your God, your spouse or the person you're in relationship with is going to be your Savior. And now this Savior was not trying to deliver her. This Savior was looking to someone else. Is love your God? Now, I know what some of us will be saying here. Ah, me, I'm a Christian. How can love be my God? I serve one true and living God. I don't think of my spouse that way. My, my, wife, my spouse and I, we serve God. We serve God in church. I believe in God. I come to church. I speak about Him. How can you say that love is my God? No, it's not. <laughs> Notice, however, in Leah's children's first, the first two sons, the first uh, two sons, their names. Guess who appears? God. Look at Reuben. What did he say? It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Or oh, verse 33, with uh, Simeon, Because the Lord had heard, I am not loved. He gave me this one too. God was in the picture. Except the true God that she was praying to was not her true God. The true God was playing a relegated role to her own true God. Too many of us are praying to the true God about our own true God which is romantic love. Let me tell you this. Whenever you take the freight of our human desires, hopes, dreams, and redemption from past relationships, and you place it on one human being, you will always be disappointed. I've counseled many people where the husband or the wife will say, this person wants to kill me. She's trying to make or he's trying to make me her God. I have told that I'm not Jesus. So many people have entered relationships with good, reasonable, but flawed people that has not worked. Why? Because they made them gods or saviors. I hope none of us is doing that. And what then happens, as with Leah, is that when they don't and they will not live up to the godlike expectations, you become mortified. So what do you do? You leave, or you hate them, or you become depressed, or your work suffers. Or your other relationships suffer. You can't build relationships with other people again because everything is about what this person did to you. You are unable to move on. Stop. Get rid of that idol. It's not working. I'm not saying get rid of that person. I'm just saying get rid of the person as an idol. Now when I say stop and get rid, some of us, may take a wrong approach. What's that wrong approach? The wrong, wrong approach, I think, is to give up on love entirely. Some of us will just say, well, you know what, I'm becoming, we just become cynical. Cynical. You say, well, this kind of love has already failed me. That Lionel Richie and the Diana Rossi kind of love has failed me. So I'm going to try something else. What's the thing you try? Well, imagine in 1981 you listened to Diana Ross and Lionel Richie, and so you entered into that kind of love. And you now find in some, and then the person, the endless love became ended. In 1984, three years after, well, there's a song you could have followed, a song that basically said endless love is a myth. So I will have a relationship with someone, who uh, sorry, I would I will have a relationship, but if someone wants love in the relationship, I will say something like this: What love got to do, got to do with it? What's love? But a second hand emotion. What's love got to do got to do with it? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? Maybe Tina Turner had also experienced that endless love is not really endless. Do you want to be a cynic? Do you want to guard your heart now and not give it to anybody? Seriously, we said, yes, you can guard your heart, right? Put it in a box, lock it up so that nobody will break your heart. But guess what? When you do that, that heart will become like stone. And you will become an unlovable person who cannot love anyone. Is that what you want to do? No, I think you shouldn't give, uh, give up on love. Because it is in love that you ultimately find your deliverance. The third point. Guys, we do need love. But here is the thing. We need a different kind of love. What Jacob needed was a love that won't deceive. What Leah needed was a love that won't ever, ever disappoint. We need a love that won't leave us brokenhearted. A love that will satisfy our deepest longings for satisfaction. Where can we find such love? Please don't find that love in another idol. Some people, after they've had their hearts broken, do you know what they do? They pour themselves into work, and work becomes an idol. Some people pour themselves into making money. Some people pour themselves into, making, uh, into having power. Some people take the love because they have been brokenhearted uh, from a spouse or from a, whatever, um, a, a, a boyfriend or girlfriend, and they pour it into their children. Their children become their idols. These will fail you. Where can you find this kind of love that will neither deceive you nor disappoint you? Leah found it. Where did she find it? She found it in God. Don't forget, in the names of her first three sons, she kept looking to her husband, but she put God there. By the time she got to the third son, She had had now finally dispensed with God, right? By the time she got to Levi, she had dispensed with God. When she said, uh, now, at last, my husband will become attached to me. No God there. She was honest. But by the time she got to Judah, the fourth son, listen to what she said. She conceived again, verse 35. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise what? The Lord. Notice who was there. The Lord. Notice who wasn't there her husband. She finally, finally found her rest in God and was now able to praise him. What the text also does not say was that Jacob had changed. Like Jacob started loving her. She was able to praise the Lord despite her circumstances with Jacob. Let me tell you, the songs about eternal and renewing nature of love are right. That love exists. They are wrong to hinge it on human love. And Leah realized this. All of a sudden, the one who was loved, who, who wasn't loved, who felt neglected, now felt loved and accepted. You too can. You see, in the Bible, there's a similar story with Leah. These four sons were four of twelve that Jacob eventually had. Those twelve sons eventually became a larger family. By the time you get to the book of Exodus, they became a nation called Israel. Now, hundreds of years after Israel's establishment, the nation started serving idols, other gods. So God, through a prophet called Hosea, through, again, the names of Hosea's two children, he expressed how he about them when they were serving idols. The first child and you can see this in Hosea 1, 6, 9 6 and 9. The first child he called Lo-Ruhamah What did that mean? Not loved. The second child he called Lo-Ami. What does that mean? Not my people. Lo-Ruhamah Lo-Ami. Not loved. Rejected. Is that how you feel? Do you feel like that is your name? Because of what people have done to you. Or because of what you are looking for. You feel not loved or rejected. And you feel God is calling you that. Because you are serving another idol. You must not despair. You know why? Because God graciously promised through that same prophet to change the names of Israel just in the next chapter. Listen to what he says in Hosea 2 verse 23. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. Leah was not loved and all of a sudden she praised the one that loved her. God promised to Israel that even though I am saying you are not loved and you are not my people, I will show you my love, and you, I will call you my people, you will call me your God. And the question is, how does he do that? Do you know how he does it? He does it through Judah. Judah. Judah, this child, after, remember, the names are what people have experienced. This child of hers, after she had repented and ex- now had experienced renewal of God's love, this child of hers, Judah, is the answer. Why? Because Judah, in his own generation, became the bearer of Abraham's promise. It was in Judah's generation that a lineage, in Judah's lineage, that a Messiah would come, the Lion of Judah, who will come and change your name. Jesus, the one God called, his beloved in whom he is well pleased, on the cross was treated as though he was not loved, so that he can say that, our names are now loved in beloved. See, in Ephesians 1 verse 3, eh, 4, it says this, In love, God predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In love, he called us sons in the one that he loved. We are called loved. In the, beloved. the mechanics of this. How does it demonstrate that love to us? Is it just, oh, now I just feel God's love. It's over me. No, there is a way he does it. How does he do it through Jesus Christ? Well, 1 John 4, 9 tells us, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son in the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. For our sins. Your rejection of God is a serious matter. So serious that for him to pay for that. Out of love he sent his son to die for you. This is the love that will secure you from eternal misery. Eternal punishment and eternal neglect. Unlike other loves that deceive us by giving us less than we hope for. This love, when embraced through repentance, gives us more than we dare imagine. I hope we see that. Romantic love will always deceive and disappoint you. But with the love of God in Christ, not only will you not be deceived, when you enter into that love, you start to experience things that you cannot imagine. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. Neither has it come into the heart of man. What the Lord has prepared for those who love Him. God's love will never deceive. And it will never, ever, ever disappoint you. And that's the gospel. I say, how do I apply that to my life? Well, let me tell you four things. When you receive the gospel love that delivers eternally, one. You can handle an imperfect or broken marriage because though your spouse may not love you as they ought, you have the source of a greater love. When you receive the gospel love that delivers eternally, you can wait for God's time and person because your life isn't ultimately dependent on whether you are married or not. Your life depends on whether God calls you loved or not, and he has in Christ. For we are risen and our lives are hid with Christ in God. When you receive this gospel love that delivers eternally, you can resist the pressure of defiling your body in a relationship through sexual immorality because of someone's love. I love you. Give yourself to me. Let's have sex. You can resist that. Why? You know that God's love paid a bigger price for your body's sanctity. And finally, when you receive this gospel love that delivers eternally, you will not idolize your fantastic spouse who loves you and whose love you enjoy. Why? You know that God's love has prepared for you in eternity an enjoy a, a joy that cannot be compared with what you have now. So please, if you are searching for your one true love, look no further than God who gives us Jesus Christ. I've quoted many songs today, so let me leave you with a poem. So my aspect of the poem is the guy called John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace. He said these words, Though afflicted, tempest tossed, Comfortless a while thou art. Do not think that can be lost, Thou art graven on my heart. All thy waste I will repair, Thou shalt be rebuilt anew, and in thee it shall appear, what the God of love can do. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your word. We thank you for what your word does to us. Father, we ask for anyone here who does not feel loved, who's been brokenhearted, or who is searching, searching for that one true love in a human being. We're not trying to belittle that. Most of us have that desire. But we know this, that those who have disappointed us and deceived us or those who are looking forward to come, we don't need to look further than in you because you give us a love in Christ that will neither deceive us nor disappoint us. Help us to receive it through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray.
0: Thank you for listening to The Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.